Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Today is Monday, October the 19th. Have you voted yet? I hope you have. It's really easy. They send you a ballot. You fill it out. You take it back. You can mail it. There's all kinds of options for you to get it back. So get it back and vote. It's important. Dude, baseball. Am I fucking right? I was doing my best to not get emotionally involved in sports this year because there's just too much going on, right? And I was like, I can't do it this year. Like, it's vexing. It vexes me. I am vexed. Anyway, I started paying attention to the playoffs. Of course, a lot of people know I'm a fucking Dodger fan, and it's rough being a Dodger. No, it's, I love being a Dodger fan, but, you know, you got to deal with everything that goes along with being any type of sports fan. You know, it's like a never-ending bad relationship. Like, you break up once a year, you know, it starts off at the beginning of the year. They come back, they're saying all the right things, they're promising all the right things, you believe them, and then they break your heart right before Christmas. It, it happens every fucking year. I was trying not to let it happen this year, but I'm letting it happen again because you know what? You can't not be romantic about baseball. I, I love baseball and I'm going to keep watching as long as there's baseball to watch, I guess. So I got wrapped up in this playoffs and game sevens. Oh my God, so stressful. Braves look solid too. They were just so dangerous and they're pitching. Oh my gosh. But I knew their pitching was going to crack. Like, it was going to happen. I'm not saying their pitching totally cracked tonight. We barely beat them. It was a great series. Anyway, I'm obviously not a sports analyst, so I'll just shut up about baseball for now. I'll probably ramble about it next week. And by next week, I could be telling a completely different story because that's sports, man. You never know the narrative. It just gets built up and boom it happens so anyway boom guess what else happened i had a great conversation with jessica Della garza from bakersfield california that's right another home down throwdown this week she is amazing and i've always really admired her because not only i mean she's she's on like the social medias talking about her comedy of course promoting herself but she's also on the social medias doing just as much advocacy for different social causes her shows always donate part of the proceeds to a different nonprofit organization and this is going down in my hometown of Bakersfield California turns out Jessica and I are practically related okay um, we don't talk about it in the podcast because we didn't find about it we didn't find out about it until after the podcast but her parents are cool with my older brothers and sisters they all uh, kind of hung out together back at the old Arvin High back in the day. And it was really cool afterwards to find out that we had these these ties that go back to the 70s homes, the 70s. So, well, all right, maybe it's the 80s. And late 70s, early 80s, I'm going to say. But these were bonds that were created a long time ago and just go on forever. And here we are. Now we're both doing comedy and talking to each other about what it's like to be doing comedy during this crazy, crazy time. So I've rambled enough for uh, an intro. I'm going to shut up now. Please enjoy episode 76 of Comic Talk, the podcast with my guest, the smart, the powerful, the almighty Jessica De La Garza. Peace. Take care of each other, everyone. Bye. Jessica De La Garza, how the hell are you? I'm here. <laughs> how, how are you dealing with all... Oh, shoot. I have your... I have your Facebook page up right here. And uh, you're doing the little thing with the olives. Oh, yeah. I was literally... I was making flautas the other night. And I was, and I was like, oh, I used to do this when I was a kid. 
Like I would put like the olives on my, I mean, not just when I was a kid, I do that. I obviously I still do it as an adult, but I've just been trying to be a little bit more creative with the content that I'm putting out. I mean, we don't always have to put like our whole comedy set online. Like sometimes it's just silly little things like a two or three second video. Um, but I don't know. I think that it helps us like be more creative or it helps me anyway, be more creative. It definitely helps me be more creative and it also gets us um, acclimated with some of the tools and resources that are out there, right? Like there's not just like our, our camera phone, there's like these apps that we could use to like add audio or to like even make the film grainier and stuff like that. But it's definitely, uh, it's a time to uh, find new ways to be creative, most definitely. To adapt really. Yeah. Um, like I've been using TikTok a lot more I have an 11 year old son and he literally had to show me how to use some parts of it. <laughs> Which don't feel bad because I hear that from most uh, comics that are that are not in their early 20s, right? They're just like, I had to have my son teach me or my nephew, somebody is teaching them TikTok. And um, once they get the hang of it though, they're, they're going. How, so how long have you been doing TikTok? Um, not very long. I started just putting a couple of silly little stuff on there. Um, I like that you can use other people's sounds. And then I think that part's really cool because you get to see the different facial expressions and how creative people are with just the sounds because it could be like a simple sound, but then they make it funnier by adding their own captions. Yeah, yeah. Um, a friend of mine, she got pretty big on TikTok, uh, Carolyn Martin, uh, but she just recently kind of slowed down with the whole TikTok thing. But she was just like like the amount of views she was getting in a day was just crazy you could like you could really blow up really quick on tiktok because like you can and i mean not just comics like other people like one of my best friends um she's a tarot reader and um, you can find her on slap tarot on tiktok but she just blew up she has like sixty thousand followers and she literally had it for less than a month and it just like it just took off but it wasn't like she had been working at it for like two years on different social media platforms, but TikTok just happened to be the right platform and it took off. So it's not like she didn't put in the work and she just went viral. Like she had already been consistently putting content out, but that platform like helped her grow immensely. Yeah. You, you know, you kind of touched on something that I think is really important is that like, you got to constantly be creating and you have to be ready to seize the moment when it, when it's given to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, I, I, I try to, um, I'll post something on TikTok, but then I'll like cross post. I'll put it like on Instagram, on Facebook, because like, you just have to like, I said, like you have to find that right platform. So if you're putting the content out, at least you can put it out on all of the different social media platforms. Yeah. What do you, do you have one that that's kind of like your, your favorite right now, or do you are you kind are you trying to get across to all of them? Um, I would say that Instagram is my favorite, like just to post, but I like watching TikTok more, just because it's so silly. Like you don't have to be following someone in order to see the content. It's just very user friendly. Like whereas if you go to Instagram you have to go to a specific tab when you open TikTok, like it takes you like your for you page. Like that just has stuff that's like whatever algorithm is like watching you and like, like 
knows what you like. And so it'll put content that you're more likely to appreciate. Right. So mine a lot of comedy. It's like a mix of comedy, uh, inspirational quotes and like tarot reading and spirituality. Like it's a whole mix of things. Do you get sucked into the TikTok rabbit hole for? I can, if I'm not careful. Yeah. So I try to be careful. Like, oh, I've watched like, I like, I look at my favorite section. I'm like, wow, there's really way too many videos in here. Cause like I'll favorite something cause I want to go watch it again later. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like any social media platform can really like just get you in that zone where you just kind of zone out and you're just scrolling and scrolling or commenting. So I I've actually took, um, last month I took a social media break or no, it was a month before last. And I wasn't on any social media for a little over 30 days. And it felt really refreshing. Cause like I would wake up and not look at my phone. I would just like start my day. Yeah. I, I noticed when you fell off social media, cause I, I enjoy your content. It's a, uh, it's never redundant. And it's, it's, you, you do a lot of like positive content. Right. And it's, that's silly sometimes. Yeah. But when you, when you took a break, I noticed that you were gone. So, and I was uh, so surprised um, because like you noticed, and I actually got a lot of messages from people like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm okay. I just needed like a break. Cause then every, like everything started getting political and just getting flooded with all of this stuff. I'm like, I don't need to see everyone's point of view. Like you can right. go vote how you're gonna vote. I'm gonna vote how I'm gonna vote. Um, I'm not going to be arguing with people, especially people that I know in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's pointless and you're absolutely right. Like you're going to vote your way. I'm going to vote my way. Like I was telling my sister yesterday, like there's a reason why there's in traditional, uh, voting booths. That's it's a booth. It's like it's with a curtain. So people can't see who you're it's voting for. Like, privacy. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I made a comment yesterday that I'm so glad that it's so relieving right now that the people I'm snoozing right now, they're not going to pop up back on my feed until after the election. So, Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm super glad that that this is that this is almost behind us, uh, regardless of the outcome. I mean, we're we're here and we got to we got to make the best of it. You know, I'm just ready for it to be over. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of getting like the little mailers. I'm tired of getting stuff hung on my door. I'm tired of hearing like the radio ads. There was like a radio ad that mentioned like supporting something was like supporting white supremacy. I was like, holy cow, like they really went there on just like the regular radio. Yeah. I don't, I, remember, I don't remember it ever being this crazy. Yeah. Like, just saturated. I, I tried to watch regular TV yesterday because uh, I did a YouTube TV subscription so I could watch the baseball playoffs. And it was during the day and I was like, I was kind of scrolling and I was like, oh wow, Drew Barrymore has a talk show? I'll check this out, you know? So I hit play and it was like three minutes of political ads before the show even started. And I was like, sorry, Drew, can't do it. You know, like it's and just- like, Those things are so annoying, like the ads. I mean, I know it's how the content creators on YouTube make like a lot of their money because if you watch the full ad instead of skipping it it like gives them like they're getting paid for that yeah 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 i can't i can't do it right now man i can't do it but hopefully this will all be behind us um 
What a, so you, how long have you been doing comedy? I'm, I'm not really sure because I've only been doing comedy about two years and I'm up here in Sacramento. Like I grew up in Lamont. So like, I know Bakersfield, like that's, that's my stomping grounds. I left that's Baker. So funny. You grew up in Lamont. I grew up in Lamont, um, dude. <laughs> I literally just moved to Lamont. Oh, really? Yeah. I had been in Bakersfield for a long time and I just moved here because I'm renting like my stepdad's house. So, because I had like a little two bedroom apartment in Bakersfield. So I'm like three bedroom house, two bedroom apartment. I can, pros and cons, you know? You're like, I can get a dog. <laughs> I have, I mean, I have a dog already, but just having a yard is so much better. Yes, yes. I, um, I love that I could just, I can leave my screen door open this much and my dog can go in and out, yeah. you know? And I, I could see her, I could hear her. I could hear the, the kids next door saying, talking to her, you know, but, um, so I do question. I kind of like skewed away from that. That's um, all right, man. That's all right. It's unscripted. Uh, but, I started doing comedy around April, 2018. Okay. So we're, so you got like six months on me, I think. Cause I started September of 2018. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're right about the same time frame, but right before the shutdown, your and I don't want to get it wrong, but I might get it wrong. Your room. Tell me about the room you started in Bakersfield. So I'm just a partner, like a okay, partner in um, Room 82, which is like the only comedy club in Bakersfield right now. Um, it's it is also a music venue too. Okay, it's really built around comedy. Like the stage is beautiful. It's showcasing a lot of like 80s, like the background of the stage is just like tons and tons of 80s stuff. There's like a mural in there that has like some like older comedians. Um, it's it's pretty retro. It's like literally 80s themed. Yeah, I, I saw pictures of it. And I want to say that my good friend Johnny Taylor did a show there. Oh, no, he hadn't. He has not done a show there. Um, but he had, he was my headliner because yeah. I produce shows too. I haven't since COVID because it's really, the shows that I've done are always based on trying to get a nonprofit more like, yeah. um, so that show, those shows that I did, I did at a bar downtown, which is called backdoor bar. Um, okay. yes. And so he, he was one of my headliners for those shows. Okay. But right after Room 82 opened, then the pandemic hit. So, like, I haven't produced any physical shows. So, how long had Room Room 82, right? Or, yes. I don't know why I want to. I want to make it a three-digit number. Like, I don't know <laughs> why. Like, what? Uh, why? Why 82? Why just settle on um, 82? So the some like um, Justin Cummings, which is a person who actually started it all. Mm -hmm. I want to say that he was born in like 82. Okay. So, I mean, that I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. And so that's where the 82 came from. So how long had it been open right when the lockdown? So not long, right? No, it opened, I want to say in February. And then um, I started hosting the open mic nights there like every Sunday and then I think we only had maybe one or two shows. Um, and then the pandemic hit. 
So everything kind of just is closed for now. Is it, do you think you're going to be able to bring it back or is it on permanent hiatus for now? Um, I would imagine that when bars are actually open, because in Bakersfield, bars are not open unless they have food. Okay, okay. So entertainment venues like that aren't open right now. And have you, so are, just, you, are you guys close to getting to the next tier? I'm not sure, to be honest, because they literally just reopened this week. Like, okay. yeah, it was the week that they reopened dining in. So it always depends on the numbers because the right. numbers are what puts you into those tiers. And Kern County had been like teetering, like just going back and forth, always on like the watch list. So yeah. we just got, um, I think like movie theaters, restaurants, like those things started just opening this week. Yeah, it was it was really looking like, cause like there was like room 82, uh, Trimler Brewing was doing comedy shows. Yeah. Hembler has a lot of comedy too. Yeah, and it really looked like Bakersfield was having a really solid comedy scene. What What do you think? Was it Was it getting there, or had it been there? What How um, How I, is it? The comedy scene was here well before I even started comedy. Um, a lot of the comedians that are in Bakersfield now are kind of like what helped start the comedy scene in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty strong here honestly bakersfield is a very tough crowd like i have people like people will come from la like they're not used to our crowd it is it is kind of a it's because it's so um it's so ethnically ethnically and socially mixed in bakersfield and yeah. it's because like bakersfield is, is sprawling it's it's spread apart and there's there's but we're so used to traveling from one side of town to another to do something so like in towns where like sacramento where like there's a midtown scene and then there's like an uptown scene and then there's like the oak park scene those those people kind of cluster to that scene but like in bakersfield you're more apt to get somebody to travel from one side of town to another side of town right and i mean it's good though that it's so hard to get people to laugh here because it strengthens you as a comic Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's when, especially when like you've had a run of like two or three really good nights and then you go out and you have a rough night, it's, it's humbling. And it, you realize I'm ah, probably not that funny. And you, you have one of those nights, nice right? Of humble pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, had you, had you had a chance to, to do shows out of, out of town yet or? Yes. Um, I've been fortunate enough to do shows out of town. I've done some in LA. I've done some like in Tulare, Visalia. Um, I was really fortunate um, last year. I went on vacation in London and I got to perform on a newcomer show out there. So that was probably like the highlight of comedy for me. Oh, and I performed in Pasadena too. Nice. What was it like performing in London? Like, is it? It's, it's very intelligent humor. Okay. And they really appreciated my style of comedy. So I was very thankful and I can't, I hope to go back there because I feel like that would be my crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough that your crowd's so far away. It's a lot of dry humor and just, it's not just like the in your face, like high energy type of comedy. Um, mm -hmm it like stuff that like requires a little bit more thought. 
easily stuff that can just go over your head and not realize it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not is it is it more of a storytelling type crowd or is it still like one liners and or... um, I would say that they're they they're great with both. Okay. Uh, I'm more of a storyteller comic, so for me it was awesome. Mm-hmm. What um what how what generation are you? Because like I'm a first generation, so like my parents are from Mexico. What about yourself? Are you are you are, like is your family have they already been here a long time? Yes, my my family's been here a long time. I only have one grandparent that's from Mexico. Okay. Um, one of them, like I, I recently did a DNA test because I started studying Chicano history, uh -huh. and um, so you know how like Texas and other states used to actually belong to Mexico before the Mexican-American War. Right. Like I traced um, my dad's side of the family, like to, cause my grandpa's from Texas. So I traced them all the way back to like the 1700s, like when they were here before it was even like the United States. They were there in the in in the valley or or where they, where they were there in Texas before it was like the United States. Oh, okay, okay, so they've been there. Yeah, but um, I'm not too sure my mom's side of the family. I know that m those grandparents were born here too, um, so I don't have like a lot of. I was always so jealous of people that had family in Mexico because they'd always like on vacation, they'd go on vacation like for the holidays. And, but all of our families here already so like we yeah. do that yeah and you know what the the you know what the irony of that is is that when i was young i didn't really enjoy go, going to mexico as much but once i got an appreciation for it like now i love going to mexico and i wish that those vacations could be longer and i wish that they could be more often and i and like there's like a part of me in the back of my head, like every time I go, I'll start talking to one of my cousins and I'll be like, okay, so when I retire, you got a house back there, right? And they're like, fine, come on. Like it is such a, um, I don't wanna say laid back because they are very hardworking, but it's it just, life just moves at a slower pace. You know, it's, it's not- I find that, that in every country because I just started traveling a few years ago to different countries and every country is so different than the states more uh, a more relaxed uh, slower pace than it feels like a slower pace i mean of course when you go to like busier cities that are more yeah, yeah. and stuff like those are a little bit more fast paced but just like their culture and like the style like how they live it's more relaxed yeah yeah you know one thing i, I noticed too is like when you like in Mexico, like when you sit down to eat, like you sit down to eat, like you're not like in a rush to like, you know, like get carry out food and eat and just get that like you like it's the whole dining experience. And like, I think it seems to me like from what I haven't traveled to. No, I haven't traveled to any other countries. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been to like Mexico, Canada uh, and New York City. But from what it seems like, it seems like, you know, meals are, are like an event and it's just like people like sit down and enjoy it. Like I watch a lot of Anthony Bourdain, you know, and the, and it just seems like, yeah, everything is a, is a much more relaxed pace. And I feel like that's um, true too in a lot of the Hispanic culture, because if you like, when I look back at my childhood, like everything revolved around food, like 
my tias and my grandma would be in the kitchen making tortillas, making salsa, making guacamole. And then like my tios would be outside barbecuing. Like everyone has like this great passion for food and that's like what brings us all together. Yes. Yes. And then, 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 then we come together and we eat. And then even afterwards, like, like, you know, what I love about like the Mexican culture is like the early, like the, the early dinner and the late dinner, right? Like the, like the, like, so, like somewhere late afternoon and then again, late at night. And another thing I love about the Mexican culture is the, is the pan dulce with the coffee in the morning, which. So like, this is a weird thing, I'm sure, because I've, I thought it was normal, but like, Cause you know how, like, if you have a barbecue or something, like a lot of people drink and then like the next morning you have menudo. Yeah. So what my mom would do was buy pan dulce and then like, we would eat that with our menudo. Like I would like myself, I like dip it in my menudo. Really? Do you still do that? I still do that. The, and I know, know like, that it's weird. I didn't know that it was weird until now. <laughs> it might be a regional thing because with my family, it's corn tortillas with menudo, right? But my best friend, I went to have like the first time I had menudo with his parents, they have bolillos with their menudo. I've heard that. I've and heard it's super that. good. I was like, what bolillo? They're like, yeah, you don't dunk it? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, let me try this. And it was super good. Like, I think it's a regional thing. And yeah, it is a little bit different, but I'm not going to call anything that someone (laughs) grew up doing weird. You have to be a fan of sweet and savory food to be able to do it, which I am. So, and my mom is too. So I'm pretty sure that's where I got it from. What's your, what's your go-to pan dulce? A concha. Oh, you're old fashioned. For For sure, concha. What color concha? I... Sometimes I like the white ones and sometimes I prefer the pink ones. It honestly depends on how much sugar they put on it. You know, one time we were in Mexico and uh, my one of my cousins said, come on, let's go get some, some pan dulce. And I was like, all right. And we went and talk about the slower pace of life. Like we got there and the pan dulce wasn't done yet. And we got <laughs> to watch them put it in the oven and then take it out put the sugar on, put it back in. My, dude, my mouth was just watering. And that was the best bundle like I ever had. Like the, the the sugar was still like sparkling on it. Like it was just crazy. And doesn't it make you wonder like, is it the anticipation that made you enjoy it so much more instead of like here, like we just, everything is available all the time. There's yeah. like a wait time. Like we know we can just have it. Yeah, definitely. The anticipation and just then, um, but then also like the the whole thing with food is like, also like having it be warm, like having a warm piece of pan dulce, like that was crazy. Like that wasn't, you know, that's not something we have all the time. Um, Now that you're in Lamont, are you, are you going to the Carnita Surapan to get your pan dulce? Um, I like to go there for the carnitas. Yes. But I haven't, honestly, I haven't bought any pan dulces. And I literally just moved here in August. So like wow. I haven't been here that long. Uh-huh. So I'm just like re, like just adjusting to everything. Cause I like, and when I lived in Bakersfield, I lived like very central. Um, so I could just like go everywhere. Like everything was super close to me because I was so central. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm just adjusting to not being, ha- like to not having everything ready available, like readily available for me. 
Yeah, you're, you you got to get used to the slower the slower uh, pace of life. There's and even a, the speed limit is slower here. There's another uh, El Fugon, right? So there's El Fugon, like they do pan dulce, but not a fan of their pan dulce. I'm more the uh, the carnitas or pan pan dulce. But That's literally we, down the street from where I live. <laughs> we've, been, we've been going to the carnitas store since they were on Panama Lane, right next to uh, I guess. Um, Dude's barbershop is there now, but it used to be right there, right where that barbershop is on, on Panama Lane across kind of catty corner from, what is that, a Rite Aid? Possibly. I can't remember. Yeah, so you're still kind of new to Lamont. That's so crazy that you live in Lamont now, and I, I grew up there. Yeah. And uh, whenever I come home, I, uh, when, when I, when I drive, so my mom lives on the other side of town on the, uh, the Taco Loco, like where the original Taco Loco is. I don't even know if it's still open, but the, my mom lives on that side of town. So whenever I come home to visit, I always drive through Lamont as many times as possible. And it's still, I, as, as much as it's changed, it's still, I mean, it's still home. And I just love how many taco trucks there is now at the ready. Like it, <laughs> it used to be like few and far between the taco trucks, but now man, they're, they're everywhere. And there's, they're different styles because all the different regions are represented. Are you are you a, are you a taco person? Do you, do you enjoy those trucks? I do. I love tacos. Um, I think I appreciate I appreciate Mexican food so much more now, because when I was like a teenager, like all my friends are like, "Oh, let's go get Mexican food." I'm like, "Why? I eat that all the time." Like, but now, like, I appreciate it so much more. So I do love tacos. Um, I'm okay. So I'm not a fan of the meat in, but like in menudo. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's very common. Very common so for that. Like I just eat the hominy, but yeah. I love basole. I was going to say the people that aren't a fan of the, of the, of the meat and the menudo that just do the hominy, they a lot of times end up switching over and being pozole people. And it, for me, it's the texture. Is like, it? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that, and a, and a lot of a lot of people say that about the the texture of the hominy. Um, you seem to be kind of like a a real big social advocate. Where where did that start? Has that always been something that you were? Because like you say, now you're studying Chicano history, and um, you you say that that the shows that you produced in the past, you always and I, I was checking out um, I was checking out your social media last night. You always donate some of the proceeds to like a local. I want to yeah, say nonprofit, so, but so whatever nonprofit. So when I was when I was producing those shows each month, we would highlight a different nonprofit. Yeah, uh, and then a portion of the proceeds would go to that nonprofit because obviously, like the entertainers have to be paid. That's one of the biggest things for me when I started comedy, like the lack of people paying the entertainers. Like, like you're supposed to be happy with crumbs. Like, no, like the entertainers are the show they deserve to get paid. Um, but I would say that I got a lot stronger in um, like advocating for different causes because um, just last year I dealt with a lot of health issues. I have something called endometriosis, which is more stable now. Um, but I didn't know that there was so much literature available for that specific health issue like there's like a whole nonprofit based on it and so I'm like wow like we have so many different nonprofits in town that nobody knows about like just like how I didn't know anything about the nonprofit for what I had and there's so many other people who didn't know about 
the different nonprofits in Bakersfield because Bakersfield honestly is a very caring community. Um, it gets in in the media, it gets really bad notice. It's not yeah. really for anything good here, but the people here are very amazing. So I just wanted to give back like to those people who are putting in their time and they're like volunteering basically. Um, Cause when you're like a member of a nonprofit or if you're on the board of a nonprofit, that's just, you're volunteering. You're not getting paid for that. Right, right. That's, that's great. Um, have you been doing during this, this, uh, this lockdown or whatever we want, this, we call it so many things, but like all the things that we call it seem to have like a negative connotation. Right. So I, I try to stay away from like the pandemic or the lockdown, but like during this period that we haven't been able to do comedy, um, aside from the, from the, the content that you've been trying to put out on social media, have you been able to do any writing? Um, I have written a little bit. I haven't written as much as I've wanted to. I kind of just, I'm not sure if it was like everything just falling apart at once because of the pandemic. Because for me, um, I was working for a nonprofit. They had funding for like an actual position. And then I was also working at a bakery too. So I was working both of those jobs. And then when the pandemic hit, funds have to be redirected because everything has to be reassessed to fit the needs that we were once, like we could no longer serve. So that position got eliminated. So then now I'm working at a different bakery because the other bakery I was working at, they also closed due to the pandemic. Oh man. So for me, it's just been like, it's been interesting for me. So I think I've been more focused on that and then also I'm in school right now too. I went back to school um, for a Spanish degree. And oh, so, nice. thank you. Um, that also kind of fell along with like me learning more of Chicano history. Like I wanna know who I am, like where I come from. I mean, obviously I was born here, but I wanna know my heritage more. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's important. That's important. And um, I, I think every, I think every good Chicano goes through that moment of realization in their life. Like it's it, like, you're like, cause you realize that, well, like I realized when I was in school, like at Vineland and at Sunset and at Arvin High that like nobody in the history books looked like me. Like, you know, and like nobody. And then when we'd celebrate holidays and we'd talk about World War One and World War Two, like none of the heroes looked like me, right? But- and that is so messed up because the history books that we had when we were growing up literally leave out Hispanic people. When Hispanic people are some of the most decorated veterans it, like from the previous wars. And I think that's what made me feel so much more empowered um, with my heritage because I started learning like just all of the stuff that the history books were leaving out. Right, right. Um, so where was I going with that? I can't even remember. <laughs> but, so yeah, I, I went through uh, the like March, April, May, June, like I did not do any writing. That's where I was going with it. What do you think it's going to be like? And ha okay, so Sacramento's opening back up a little bit. Um, we've been able to do um, some open mics, 
open air, open mics, right? So we're outside. Uh, my friend Miriam Wasabi um, is doing one in a park and it's people are going, where do you think the comedy is going to be? Because it's like, I am writing like nothing but new material and I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the air that we're in right now. Like I'm talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the vaccines. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the election because I'm just like, I'm just so done with it. But like, where do you think it's going to be? Like, do you think you're going to be able to do your old material? Or you think you're going to need new material? Is it going to be a, a, a mashup of both? I think, I think when I come back, I'm just going to be working on new stuff because I've never really, I mean, obviously it does suck to bomb, but I do feel like I've been pretty brave in trying out new material. Like sometimes I would just try it, even if I knew it wasn't going to work just to like, see what the audience would think. Um, I'm not the same person that I was when I started comedy. Like my life has changed completely. Yeah. Like I, I'm missing, like, so I had a hysterectomy last year. So like, I am literally like a different person. Like I don't even have the same parts anymore. <laughs> so I liked like last year, like, or I'm sorry, this year, like once the pandemic, like right before the pandemic hit, I was starting to talk more about that, like going through that life change. Mm -hmm. And now like my son is getting older. So like, I'm starting to talk more about him because as a storyteller, storyteller comic, like I talk about mostly myself because that's what I know. Right. So I think um, to answer your question, I think I'll be focusing more on new material. Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of my old material, um, like I had some pretty good old material and I'm sure that I'll be able to work it back into my set. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to focus on the person that I am now versus that person. Yeah. I, I finally did a set the other night. I, I did a show in front of people. It was, it was outdoors and <laughs> I, I stuck to, I, 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 I think I did a total of like 13 minutes, but probably eight, seven to eight of it was new material, but I worked in the old material, like the stuff that I knew was solid, right? Like I worked yeah. it in like somewhere in the middle and then right at the end. So like just make sure that like, I, I like I patched it together and I made like this Frankenstein set of like but, but I mean that, that's really what a lot of people do like they'll do like the sandwich of material like they'll start off with something they know works they'll sandwich in some new stuff they'll put a old one new stuff and then they usually like close on an old one because they it brings the audience back to you if you're starting to lose them on your new material yeah yeah and one thing that I'm noticing right now too, and even like my my other friends that are that are doing shows is like, man, uh, people are eager to to laugh and to get out and to have a good time. So like the the crowds are are really good crowds, and they're really like just loving every minute of it again. So I, it's always I, amazing to have that receptive audience. Yeah, it's like the, the audience is like welcoming it, was welcoming the comics back as much as the, the comics are happy to be up on stage again. So I think we're going to see like a, a really good time uh, when this is all over, I hope, but we'll see. I would hope that people are doing new material. Yeah, yeah, I we definitely got to do new material. Uh, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't come back with that old stuff, definitely. No, because the world has literally changed. <laughs> it's not the same world, right? It's crazy, like what? Like, I think that like what, what we went through in the last 
when this is all over, like hopefully like in April, May, it's only going to have been like 14 months. And like what the world has seen in those 14 months, like I think other generations have seen in a decade, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how they will write about it in history books. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, like what what version of the story is told, right? Yeah, it's really it's going to be it's going to be up to up to our children. Well, your children. I don't have any kids, but it's going to be up to like, <laughs> it's going to be up to your children to like demand the truth and to like to know that that this is this is what happened and why it happened, right? Because there's a lot of like I think we could have avoided a lot of this, but anyway, that's a different topic. What, <laughs> What, what made you get into comedy? Where, where, like, was it something that you always wanted to do and then something happened and you're like, God darn it, I'm going to do it now? So for me, um, I've always been a really sarcastic person and I've always had dark humor um, and like a little background on me. Like I'm, I'm the first granddaughter on my dad's side of the family. So I grew up with all boys. And oh, wow. Yeah, so when you grow up with all boys, like you you get a thick skin. Like our love language is roasting people. So for me, like I had to make fun of myself before they would make fun of me. And Absolutely. so I felt like that, that kind of helped me develop this sense of humor. And I had kind I had really thought about it. Like I I I don't know why. Um but in like 2018, I was like, I'm just going to write stuff. Like, I mean, I, I've always loved comedy. I never thought I would actually be up on stage doing it. Um, so um, I think in 2017, I broke my wrist um, training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I had to have surgery. I had some pins put in. Um, and during that downtime is when, like when I couldn't train, so I found like an open mic night to go to. And the very first open mic night I went to, like one of the comedians roasted me. And like, I was, I would, that was like one of my biggest fears. I sat all the way in the back and like, I still, like I still caught their eye and got roasted. And so I went back to the next, um, the next open mic that they had. And like, I started out my set, like talking about how he roasted me. Mm -hmm. And then like I did my material, but I, my, like my style is so different now. Like I literally had all of my material like typed out. Like it was a whole story. Wow. So that's, that's how I started comedy. Like, I'm not sure. Like if he hadn't roasted me, I don't know if that fire would have been lit to actually like do it. Is that person still doing comedy? Yes. Um, I, and I love him to death. His name is Andrew Boydston. Uh -huh. He's like a staple in Bakersfield. Um, he's also known as like the Barstool Prophet. Um, but yeah, so totally love him. He's a great guy. He's actually gonna be um, performing this month at on live from Room 82. Oh, you're because, doing live from Room 82? Yeah, so nobody can actually be there except for like a skeleton crew and then the talent, um, but it gets like broadcast to Facebook Live. Is this the second one you've done, or is this the first one? Um, the shows? The the live, the broadcasting from um, the... No, we've been, I think we're like on episode eight or nine now. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And when's that going to be? Like, how, what is it like the, the third um, Thursday? Is it the what? It's the last Thursday of 
each month. So this month it'll be on the 29th. At okay. Nice, nice. That's awesome. And how, how, what kind of reception? Isn't it weird to perform with no audience? Well, there's, you said there's a skeleton crew. Yeah, so there's so, like, I mean, the, the people there get to perform for like the skeleton crew. So they, they have some people to bounce um, their ideas off of and they get that laughter, which I feel like for a comedian, like we, I myself like to hear the laughter because then like, I know my material's working and then I can move on to other stuff. Yeah. It kind of, when I'm engaged by the audience, like with laughter, it makes me a better comic. Definitely, definitely. Have you tried any of these Zoom shows? Honestly, I have not. Um, I like being in front of real people, like that I can see. Yeah. I so I honestly I have not tried Zoom shows, even though I've been asked mm -hmm. a lot to be a part of them. It's just, and I know a lot of people say like you need to add, like you need to adapt, but I'm just like, it's just not. I'm not sure that it's my thing. Yeah. And, and you know what? A lot of people have said the exact same thing you said, but I also have talked to like a lot of people who were saying that, but then once they tried it, they're like, all right, it's not the same thing, but it is its own thing. And it, it does have like its rewarding aspect. Um, I've, I've been doing a couple of uh, Zoom open mics. Uh, there's this girl that she was actually, um, she was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. Her name was uh, Tara Christian Weedner. She's from Bakersfield, but she moved to uh, uh, a Seattle suburb a few years ago. And a friend of mine told me, oh, you got to try this open mic. And I was like, no. And she's like, no, it's, 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 it's called Russian roulette. And it's everything that I never wanted to do. Like, first of, <laughs> all, first of all, like they put your name on a roulette wheel. So you don't know when you're going up. Uh, that's awful. So they spin the right. Yeah. They spin the wheel, the name comes up, then they spin the wheel and you get anywhere between two and four minutes. No, anywhere between two, three, four, or five minutes. Then they spin the wheel again and give you a random topic. Uh, so yeah. Like you have to improv it. It's, it's everything that I, that, I, that I have avoided in doing stand-up, but I've done it like three or four times now and I lean heavily on my improv past and um it's fun it's fun i look forward to doing it. i signed up for it again tonight i think they're doing one tonight at nine o'clock I'm, I'm and i'm looking forward to it now but it's how just long, a, um, how long do they usually last they go about an hour and a half so okay, that's why it's so short yeah so um and luckily i haven't gotten like one minute slots i've had like two five minutes and I think a three minute and a four minute, and I've had tons of fun doing it, but I haven't gotten any new material out of it, but it's it's been fun to break out of that comfort zone, you know? I know that I need to at least try one. I just haven't yet. I'm gonna send you the link, <laughs> just, just, so you, <laughs> just so you know about it. Maybe you could just watch it, I don't know. Um, did you watch a lot of comedy growing up? Because like growing up, dude, I freaking loved Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. It's funny though, like I don't, like I've revisited George Carlin and he doesn't do it for me anymore. But at Eddie Murphy, like did you grow up watching comedy or was it? I grew up watching Mad TV um, and like that type of comedy. Um, 
I think when I was a teenager was when I discovered Mitch Hedberg. He's probably my all-time favorite comic. Like he introduced me to what comedy actually is, like stand-up comedy, I should say. So that was like my first impression of stand-up comedy, Mitch Hedberg, and I absolutely loved him because you know he's not high energy. He, no. he, has, he has this very specific cadence, the way that he delivers things. It's just amazing. Like sometimes he would literally have his sunglasses on and be turned away from the crowd and still get laughs. Or like the, or his hair would be flopped down in front of his face. Like the microphone would be here, the sunglasses, and you couldn't even see him. But like that distinctive voice. And anytime anyone mentions Mitch Hedberg, I immediately... I could still hear him saying, hey, man, you really like Tide. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he talks about being in a, uh, being, uh, riding shotgun in a, in a NASCAR, in a NASCAR race with somebody. And he's like, hey, man, you really like Tide. And I just, I love Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> and I I think he's one of the most, I, I think he's, he's one of the unique. most, he's very unique, but he is very, a lot of people really try to copy that cadence and that the one-liners yeah the one-liners and like they it's it's kind of like i don't want to say sloppy but like you're like like if you were like to try to dissect it you're like how is this held together but it's so intelligent and so great I, I think um one of my favorite a couple of my favorites from him um when he's like i used to do drugs i still do but i used to too Yes, I uh when I was looking for albums to put up behind me, I I had a Mitch a Mitch Hedberg album in my hand, but it just like it, as much as it makes me smile, it also breaks my heart still. And yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't put it up. Um it's cuz he's just he has a special place in my heart that it's like I don't know. That's great. Mitch Hedberg. They should make a movie about him, don't you think? Have, have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, I would watch it if they did. Yeah. Um, I I heard... Did you see the new um, like film about Chris Farley? Oh, like the documentary? I yeah, I loved watching him when I was growing up. Yeah, Farley's another another sad story. Yeah, that was a great documentary. And there was several points in that documentary where I was just like, I'll just ball because like I'm a big guy too, right? So like I've loved like I grew up like I loved John Belushi was like my first like that's who I want to be when I grow up. And I have a I have a tattoo of the Blues Brothers. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but um, to see that like when when I when I see like when I see the big guy make it and like everybody loves the big guy, but then there's that there's that tragic, there's always that tragic side of it because like you touched on something earlier where you said that I used to find something to make fun of myself before somebody, before I gave somebody a chance to yeah. make fun of me. And I think that a lot of, a lot of people with their insecurities and a lot of comics, like that's where it started, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, when do you, when are you hoping that this, that this breaks out? When, when are you hoping this ends? You think it'll be this year, next year? I think it'll be spring. Um, I think it'll be over next year. I think right now we're just still in that transition period of keeping places open yeah. um, or getting to specific stages for different counties. Um, 
So I don't think things, I'm not sure that we'll ever go back to normal. I don't know that there's a normal for us to go back to. Yeah, I keep thinking of like, one of my favorite things to do was going to the movies. And now like, just going to the movies, like just the thought of it kind of like, I don't know. Anxiety. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I did you did you freak out at all when this when this started? Like when when this first started, I had some real bad panic and anxiety attacks. How did 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 you did you cope with it well, or how did you? Um, it? It's, it had to be different having a child, right? Yes. So for me, like I, okay. So the school district that my son was in before, um, like when everything shut down, they're like, oh, we know everything shut down, but we're not going to close until this day. I was like, yeah, he's not going to school. <laughs> like all of these other things are closed down. He is not going. Uh-huh. Um, so that did freak me out. And for me, I'm a germaphobe anyway. Like I've always carried hand sanitizer with me. I've always just been like that, always washed my hands. I've always been like that anyway. So for me, like, that didn't really change much so i just i did the same thing mm-hmm. so That's i think that cool. kind of that kind of helped me cope with it because i w- knew that i was already practicing like what well, i don't even know what to call it just being safer i guess yeah yeah that's cool and how did how did your son deal with it did was um, is, is he anxious I, to go back to school or, or have I, you have you imposed that germaphobe on him no, definitely age. not. Um, like he knows to wash his hands and stuff like that, but I think it's a lot harder for children to deal with, right? I mean, not a lot harder. It's hard for everyone, but it's really hard for children because they're used to being like in classrooms. They're used to seeing their friends and now like they just don't get to. It was not like we even gave them an option or an explanation. I mean, obviously like we had to explain afterwards and they, they know what's going on. Um, but for him, he took it kind of hard because from like one moment in class with his friends and then now he's like home. Yeah. Yeah. And have they gone to where they're reopening the schools yet in in Um, Kern or? I want to say that I just got a notice, like a text or an email that they're going to start reopening schools. And how are you anxious about that or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because um, one of my friends at the bakery was saying that one of her, someone she's related to works at a school and the classrooms are literally have like these little um, like shields around their desk. So I feel like they're going to be taking a lot of precaution too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to have to. So we'll see how that goes. And and hopefully, um, hopefully we we get there soon. And and our kids aren't traumatized by all of this, which they're, they're going to be a little bit, right? Like, I feel like they will be, but at the same time, kids are so adaptable. Yeah, because like that's very true. Yeah. They just like, when they deal with something, it's kind of like they just kind of brush it off a little. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. That's great. Jessica, I have had a great time chatting with you and getting to know you because we never met, right? I don't know. We have have never met. We're we're Facebook friends. And I think we're Facebook friends really just to like, I was just like, I'm going to support this Bakersfield comic. And I'm like, oh, wait, she's pretty funny. Like, she's really interesting. (laughs) Because like so many, like, right? Because like you get this, like being like, being like a comic, like you get like inundated with friend requests, right? And And I 
at one point, I think I would get hundreds of friend requests a day. Like it was getting insane. And I just stopped accepting people. Yeah, I I get super, uh, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I get super annoyed when like, I get like, I, I'll get like a random friend request and it's another comic, never heard of them, but I'll be like, all right, we have like this many friends in common. So I'll accept it. And then I'm just like immediately would like you to like their page, would like you to like this page, would like you to like this page. And I'm just like, dude, like, I'm not your audience. Like, I'm just another comic just <laughs> like you. Like, I'm not going to go to your show because I got to go to my show. Or like, I'm not like, like, I don't know. It's, uh, I think we all, we all have a lot to learn about how to use social, how to lean on social media to uh, point it at the right audience and get something out of it, you know? But what do you want to plug? Um, I will put your social medias on the screen for you. Uh, what anything you want to close with? Anything you want to you want to you want to say and um, close anything you want to plug, or a couple of things actually. So I'd like to. Um, I'm on the board member of Apple Core Project in Bakersfield. So Apple Core Project in Bakersfield work with a lot of homeless um, and community. Um, we have a community garden um, in. It's in Bakersfield. Uh, it's with another nonprofit organization called Bakersfield Recovery Services. So it's a joint effort. Um, and also Latina Leaders of Kern County and the Junior League of Bakersfield, because those are also nonprofits that I'm a part of. Um, and of course, Room 82. That's and awesome. Any of my social media, which is Jess Another Face. I was so jealous of your Instagram handle because I was going through all of these like just this just for laughs and i could not think of anything cool and snazzy with jess and you nailed it with just another face i was very just another face like i was, <laughs> I was very jealous of that when i saw your Instagram <laughs> handle um best of luck to you I, you're making me nostalgic right now because like the the sun is is coming through your window <laughs> and like I like I'm kind of getting a little bit homesick knowing that that's the sun from my hometown and I and I kind of can feel it like coming through my bedroom window at my mom's house and uh, uh, I I'll be home for Christmas so maybe I'll look you up we'll grab a cup of coffee or something yeah, for sure but um, I really enjoyed chatting with you and getting to know you and even and even before COVID hit and I saw what you're doing with Room 82 I was absolutely cheering for you because you're from my hometown, you're a Latina, you're a leader, and you advocate you advocate for our people. And, and I really admire that. And I think we really need a lot more of that. But appreciate that. Where'd you go to high school? Did you go to where? So um, I actually, okay, so I'm from Bakersfield, but I grew up on the outskirts of Urban because my parents have um, some property out there, not okay. in Urban, but like the, like the field, um, like the agriculture area. Yeah. Um, my family has a trucking company out there. So like, it's a pretty good sized property. So I grew up out there, but I went to schools in Bakersfield for a long, so high school, I went to Ridgeview for three years. Okay. Um, but it's weird. Cause like I went to high school there and then my junior year, I transferred to Arvin high and I did not like it. And then I transferred back to Bakersfield, like to Ridgeview. That sucks to like, cause like your senior year is supposed to be the fun year. And honestly, I um, I did homeschool, like I did home studies and graduated early. 
Oh, okay. So you weren't yeah, all about I, high school then. You no, were just... no, I've, I've never been one of those people. I've never, I, I honestly, I don't like people a lot. Um, I, I was a lot, I'm, I'm a lot more social now, but I used to be very antisocial. Um, uh -huh. But I, I also contributed to the fact that I grew up in the middle of nowhere and all I did was just read. So like, cause I didn't have neighbors, like there was like nothing out there. What were so, you reading? Um, I would read anything and everything. I'd read philosophy books. I'd read like um, books about vampires, like anything and everything. So um, just a lot of different stuff. Uh huh. What are you reading now? Just your Chicano literature stuff? Um, that and what else? I'm reading a lot of stuff about spirituality. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting to me because a lot of it talks about um, like our egos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but like for me, um, I have like a constant, not like voices talking to me, like it's myself, like I'm constantly thinking in my mind, but like I can also hear that, like, like what I'm like thinking, uh -huh. like that, like that dialogue, the internal dialogue. So for me, my brain is always constantly going. And gotcha. so what I love about like these spirituality books is like, they talk about that, like, like your inner dialogue and different to listen to it and to, and to yeah, acknowledge I, it I very much. Um, I very much believe in like listening to your intuition and acknowledging it is also a part of it. Mm -hmm. So is that like a lot of like Eastern philosophies? Like, is that kind of that, like, is it kind of like leading towards like Buddhism or is it more um, modern? I, I do like Buddhism. When I went to Thailand, I got to experience like actual people who are Buddhist. So that was pretty cool to me. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's Buddhism. Like I, cause I also believe in like astrology and things like that. So um, it's not necessarily like I have this one belief. I believe in a lot of different things. Like I've kind of just gotten a lot of different parts and yeah, like, and I all together. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like we grew up in a time, especially like with our parents where like, it was like, it was Catholicism and that was it. Like, and like, how dare you even like think of something different? Like, are you saying that Abuelita's crazy for believing this? I'm like- but For me, what? that's where it's a little bit different because um, my mom's side of the family is Catholic and my dad's, my grandma from like my dad, um, she's Jehovah Witness. Oh, so wow. For me, like I've always, I grew up with conflicting beliefs already. Yeah, so it was already there, right? Yeah, so like I never had just this one hardcore belief that I was taught my whole life. So for me, I felt like that kind of, and I feel like I'm a pretty curious person anyway. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted to know like more and more and more. And like a lot of my questions like that I would have like for um, the Kingdom Hall, like people did not have answers for me. Like, so for me, that just makes me like want to learn even more different things. So I myself have never been tied to like um, religion that heavily. Right. And and I guess like the point I was trying to make is like that we don't need like I don't think we need to be. I think we just need to find our inner selves. And if like if our inner self is directing us into something that is similar to Buddhism, then that's fine. Like, right. I'd like lean a lot on like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Where like it's like we need to like first we need to build a foundation and then we build up on that. And it's kind of like a pyramid thing until you finally, like you at the very end, you have self-realization, right? Like 
but like we need to take care of like the basic stuff first and then that helps us acquire like who we really are i don't know like i spent a lot of time in my youth just like being like a messed up drug addict and just like not knowing anything and then it wasn't until like my late 30s and 40s that i started like being like oh shit like i got to get my shit together and like it was like kind of like this stuff and but yeah and then the the more i read like the more away from any kind of like standard religion i want to be a, a part of because it's just like i don't know it just they all seem too cultish for me you know and a lot of people would probably call that um like your awakening yeah yeah and for me I, I do feel like that because like with comedy and everything else i worked for the county for almost 10 years um like had the retirement plan all of it and i was just like i can't do this anymore and so I, I actually resigned from um, that position last year. It's just been a year now. And I had a pretty good position. I was well paid. And while I make less money now, I'm actually happier because I'm following my, I'm following calling. my calling. I'm not sure what exactly that is right now. I just know that this is gonna lead me there. And you're trusting yourself. You're listening to yourself. Yeah. That's awesome, Jessica. Um, for me, I love doing podcasts and talking about like me leaving my job and like pursuing comedy more and these types of creative endeavors more because I feel like it gives people courage to do the same thing. Yeah, and then when you say that, like coming like from our culture, right? Like if I had a job with the county and I had been with the county 10 years and I told my my mom, my brother, sister, okay, I think I'm going to leave this county job. They're, the first thing they would be like, what about your retirement, right? Or what about this? Or what about you were this far away from this next promotion? And I'm like, I, you know, and like, I, I feel that now because like, I have a, I have, I'm lucky to have a really solid job right now. And it's, I'm cool with it. But like, I give them eight hours a day and that's it. And on the weekends and after work, like, I work like 12 hour days every Saturday and Sunday on myself, you know? And part of that is like going to thrift shops and just doing stuff that I enjoy or like working on my podcast because like you said, it's self act. just to call it self-actualization or self-realization, what you call it? Self, like, um, I'm not sure what term I use, <laughs> but, but being like aware and just that like enlightenment really yeah yeah and so i'm fine listening now with my to that inner voice that you talk about mm -hmm. and i think uh i think that's where why a lot of people end up in the arts to begin with because like they just need to they need to do something different you know and i mean for some people the nine to five is great for some people but i'm I'm a pretty creative person and it kills me. It killed me every day to go to that job. Um, I used to have to badge in. Um, and every time I badged in, it literally felt like they were just taking a piece of my soul. Like every day, every time I badged in, like just like that light was just kind of like dying because there's no creativity in those types of jobs at all. There are set rules that you have to follow and you can't change them. Right, right. That's that's something that used to drive me crazy too. Where like even when you you would try to be like innovative and be like, why don't we try doing it this way, guys? Like it would save us. You know, like, like, but this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, this is the way. Like, we've I don't always know how many times like I've heard that, 
And for me, I just like, I couldn't do it anymore. And I, I think my dad was the most supportive when I told him what I was going to do. And he was like, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> um, do you do anything else creative? Like, do you, do you draw, paint, write? I bet, um, you, I bet you write a little bit. I, I write, but it's mostly like, like, I don't know if you saw my birthday post. It's mostly just like stuff that I've learned. Mm, like okay. life lessons that I've learned. I write poetry sometimes. Um, I paint a little bit, but I'm not super artistic. Okay, okay. I feel like I'm just like very creative. And I'm, it's an interesting type of creative because it's not bound to one form. Yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, let's say goodbye again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you for having me. Uh, excuse me. Thank you for having me. No, thank thanks for thanks for being on. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you for a little while. And uh, but you took that social media break, so I was like, I don't know, is she going through some shit right now? I'll just leave her alone. <laughs> and uh, and the second you pop back up, I was like, all right, let me hit her up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and uh, I'll keep in touch with you. And like I said, I'll send you all this stuff. And thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jessica, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right, take care. Bye.